This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Man, what a night. Mr. Durham, how are we doing? I'm fine. Doing all right, sir? I'm great. Yeah? Nice ball game last night. Let me tell you something. Last night, I went back to my old schedule. You know, two hours of sleep, watching sports from San Francisco. Yeah. Put a smile on your face when you go to bed. That's what last night felt like the old Mark Packer days. Yeah. What a night of basketball that was. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. Four four terrific games. Um, We got our uh, at least half of the Elite Eight set, right? uh, That would make sense. For coming up on Saturday. We'll get the rest of it tonight with two more ACC teams in the fold. North Carolina, UCLA's late night. So is Miami and Iowa State. Can we get that worked out? Got to get the clicker going. Got to get the previous. Know where your last button is. Know where your previous channel button is. TBS, CBS. It's not hard tonight. Doesn't that network understand that the ACC runs this bad boy? Well, the other couldn't thing, they, too. Couldn't they have given us a 7 and a 9.30? But the top of the screen, you also have to note the top of the screen on your television, when the game's on, they usually show the score of the other games, so you can kind of check it as you as you weave back and forth. That's the only thing I don't like about tonight. Now, I was kind of hoping we could breaks. stagger the little ACC early and late. Sure. Right? Yeah. The perfect world. By the way, Plus long, you got the women playing. Well, you do, and you got long commercial breaks tonight, too. Don't forget that. If you're trying to balance these games out, you got about two minutes and 45 seconds, typically, unless it's a 30-second timeout. CBS trying to make their money back squeezes one in there. So Can know. we have some more really funny Charles Barkley hairdos setting up the Duke game? Last night was that awful television? <laughs> seriously, was that pathetic? CBS, seriously, cut the bless, jokes. Bless Greg Gumble. Greg Gumble, no, bless know, him. I, I kind of feel like St. Peter's were there. Let's, let's get some breakdown of the game. I mean, no disrespect. I don't need that nonsense. That was as quick. I could not switch it fast enough. Like click. Give me some. Give me something. Did you go over to the other? I did. Okay. What did you get there? Everything good there? Uh, anything was better. Static electricity would have been better than what CBS's <laughs> right. nonsense was there. Let's let's it's move on. Television. Let's move on to the winners, shall we? Well, are you afraid to be critical? No, I just... Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I know you are. It you, was garbage. Yeah. That was pure garbage last night. Let's get somebody on there who can break something down. Yeah, I like hairdo number three. How about you guys yeah. go get another pizza? All right. How about that? <laughs> How about we talk about Duke's five-point win over Texas Tech last night out in California, late night with the Blue Devils. Who would have thought that a zone would have flipped the trick last night? Somewhere Jim Beheim was smiling, going, that's my boy. Mm-hmm. Finally comes around on that zone. Yeah, Mike Krzyzewski's 100th career NCAA tournament win comes at the expense of a – but tell you what, a physical, demanding, test your will Texas Tech team, 78-73, the final last night. Uh, man, lots of plays at the iron. <laughs> I mean, first half, second half. Uh, Duke dipped into the depth a little bit in the first half, but Shashevsky <laughs> ends up getting the win. You think Duke. You, really? You thought they, uh, you know, the we starters saw, in We this saw game, Bates Jones in the first half. You didn't see him long. Uh, that's what I mean. But when I see Bates Jones, that means he's gotten into the depth for a second. Uh, well, a second would be the key phrase there. Duke's five starters played 30, 34, 35, 37, and 37 minutes. Yeah, dipped into Bates Jones for two sequences. Why do I bring that up, Wes? Yeah. Because the team you're getting ready to play on Saturday 
much like Texas Tech, not good, great defensive team. Yeah. And you know what? You better get off your feet today because mm-hmm. uh, the Hogs are going to do the same deal. They yeah. are going to be in your grill. That is going to be another great game tomorrow. Um, two sequences here about Duke, and we just showed you the man zone numbers, which I thought were pretty interesting. Man was well over, just right at a point of possession. When they went to zone, it was 0.88. Um, if, if. Biggest word in sports thank is you. if. Yeah. If Duke ultimately gets to New Orleans, you're going to go back and look at the last eight and a half of last night and the last six minutes of Sunday against Michigan State. Because those sequences, that 14 and a half minutes of basketball, probably kept Duke alive in this event twice. Six minutes against Michigan State, where they were perfect, really good offensively. And here's last night's last eight and a half pack. 15 possessions. Look at the offensive numbers, and particularly Bancaro. Well, the two free throws that were missed, which were the only two shots missed in the last basically eight and a half minutes of the game, were, were two late free throws. Mm-hmm. Right, Roach missed the front end of a one and one with about 30 seconds to go, and Bancaro missed one after that. But at that point in time, when Bancaro missed it, it was comfortably back pocket. It was going to get a W. I thought the game was great. Yep. Uh, I thought really Texas Tech was outstanding. Defense is as good as advertised. The one thing Duke was able to do that we talked about going into the game is what were they going to do in the paint, right? You're going up against the best defensive team in the country. They do not allow points in the paint. Right. 18 points a game, the best in the business. Duke doubled that number last time. They scored 36 in the paint, and they manned up. Because let me tell you something, Texas Tech dares you. They're, they're, they will test your manhood to see if you're in the mood to play. I, I thought the game was great. I thought the games last night were so much fun to watch. What Arkansas did to Gonzaga, they just basically said, we dare you, and we're terrific. And, again, it sets up a Duke-Arkansas game. We've seen some classics between those two. They played twice before in the NCAA tournament. Yep. Last time it was right down the street. 94. When, uh, that's right, when uh, Arkansas knocked off uh, Duke for a national championship. And you saw what Houston did last night to Arizona. If you you know we're going back and forth watching both games, same thing. Physicality, we dare you. Arizona couldn't handle it. And Villanova, so well coached, right? Jay Wright's great. Gillespie's awesome. Uh, they just basically said, hey, you know what? We don't even have to shoot the ball well. We'll figure it out. I thought it was a tremendous night of college basketball. Really good, absolutely. Uh, Dukes in the Elite Eight for uh, the third straight time uh, in their last three. Appearances in the NCAA tournament, 18, 19, and, and certainly this year. Second time under Mike Krzyzewski, they've reached the Elite Eight in three straight appearances. They did it in five straight appearances from 88 to 92, and we know what happened in 90 and 91 there. So uh, when you start looking at this team, they, again, I'll go back to the last six minutes of Sunday and the last eight and a half of last night. you got to have moments in the tournament, and I think Duke's had now two moments, and the momentum is clearly – clearly with this team that has kind of been and we talked about it you know execution late how do they play the mix and matching of you know starters the way they you know AJ Griffin one night Trevor Keels another night all those things and and now they've built tangible things in the tournament that, that could really end up being successful for them in the end well I thought the most important thing that happened last night uh the second half you're thinking, okay, Duke, you're down fourth to half. Mm-hmm. What what are you going to do coming out of the second right. half? Right, yeah. Texas Tech scored on eight of their first 11 possessions. And Mike Krzyzewski goes, yep. give me a timeout. Here's what greatest of all times do. i got to do something. This is not working. 
You know what? Mm-hmm. We we didn't get the immediate push. So what does he do? Oh yeah, Jim Beheim. Let me go to this zone, and it messed Texas Tech up for enough to disrupt them. Right, five or six straight possessions. They really didn't do much with it. And Duke got right back into the thing, started to score, and the next thing you know, it led right to this last eight minutes mm-hmm. where Duke really played perfect basketball, especially yeah. on the offensive end. But that zone by Coach K uh, was a touch of genius. It was He had to do something mm-hmm. to disrupt the rhythm that Texas Tech – and I thought Texas Tech offensively was much better last night than what I thought they were going to give me. Right. I thought, they, again, their defense is great. Not good. Great. They make life miserable for people. Mm-hmm. So – if you say it all the time, just entertain me. That's all I ever asked for when it comes to sports. If you were not entertained by men's basketball last night on the college level, you need to find something else to watch. Yeah. Because it was that good every game. Um, it's pretty interesting that when you get games like this, kind of how it works. Uh, Mike Shashevsky told Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News in an article available online this morning that they had zone in their scouting report and it was zone if necessary. <laughs> and guess what? It was necessary it was. last night. I, I just, you know, the feel of the game too. I thought both coaches were great last night, you know, cause after K went to his zone, mm-hmm. guess what Texas tech ended up doing? Hey, you know what? Let's just give them a little change of pace. They gave him a dose right. of zones and you know, Duke, there was a stretch in the game too. When Duke looked like, uh Oh, they finally caught control here. They're up three with right. the ball. And next thing you know, Texas Tech forced two back-to-back turnovers, ended up getting the lead again. We had like 11 lead changes and 11 ties. I mean, it was a brilliant game from yeah. the coaching perspective and the execution at the ultimate pressure. That's the thing that was so great about it. This one one of those regular season games, and hey, if you win, great, and you lose, whatever, we'll catch you down the road. It wasn't a t- conference tournament game. And, oh, man, too bad. We're not cutting down that's down. But we're still in the dance. When you get to the loser-leave-town match – and you got those teams playing at optimum level under the ultimate pressure, and they delivered. They both did. It was just awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Here's Mike Krzyzewski after the ball game talking about the grit and fight of his team. You said it better than me. You said it better than me. That Trace, that's what – that's what – it's so good as a coach when – it's not nothing coaching – it's just that grit and that determination. Paulo, a couple of his moves were, you could see it on his face, saying, holy mackerel, that's the guy. I, I coached that guy. Holy mackerel. And the slap on the floor, what, what the hell? Yeah, why not? Yeah, and, uh, and our guys want... Our guys really wanted that because it's kind of like across a the bridge to the brotherhood, you know, like they, they can now say they did that. Hopefully they can say that again, at least on Saturday. Hmm. All right, there's the look. Saturday night, almost 9 o'clock start time for Duke and Arkansas. I got that. Uh-huh. That's a little bit better. By right the way, there. the slap into the floor, I – Loved it. I loved it. I know there's people that can't stand it when Duke does that. That's their thing. I love when Duke That's does that. That's their thing. I wish they did it more often. Sure. But when they did it last night, it's like, oh, boy. That, I mean, that, that game, I couldn't sleep last night. That game was so good. That was just one of those Giants scored four in the bottom of the ninth. I'm going to get 23 minutes of sleep. Let's go do a show. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel today. 
Yeah, that was great stuff. It's uh, and Ar- like I said, the Arkansas game mm-hmm. kind of set the tone, I think, for the night. Oh boy, because they were so good defensively. Yep. And Musman's a fantastic coach, and I, I'm a huge fan of Mark Few, as you know. Um, but man, it was just kind of set. Like you just knew with watching Arkansas win, boys, we're in for a night. And then Duke and Texas Tech took it to another level of greatness. Not to good. mention, if you're sorry, Fuller. Fuller's. He's exhausted. He stayed up too. Well, yeah, he's exhausted and he's completely stretched out right well, there. I mean, you know, dog's got to <laughs> sleep, Wes. Buddy Wes, yeah, the other stars of the show. Um, know your role. The uh, no question. Uh, <laughs> other aspect about this is how good has the game been? The game of college basketball last night. You mentioned not only Duke and Arkansas. I'll even offer you the Houston-Arizona situation. No question. I mean, goodness. Great defense. And by the way, Duke goes for 71% shooting in the second half last night. Yeah. And that was was against me, you, and and Robert, and Otto, and Captain Ron going to go play zone against Duke. Mm -hmm. 71% against the best defensive team in the country, and you had to do it to pull out a tight win. Yeah. That's how good the game was last night. Yeah. We got a lot going on on the show today. Uh, Jay Billis will join Mm -hmm. us. Uh, we're going to put it in pencil at the bottom of the hour. Jay's got a lot of things on his calendar this morning. He's going to work us in. We, we, we got a lot on the calendar. Well, we do maybe, have a lot on the calendar. Maybe we can get Jay in. We're going to do our very best. Uh, C.L. Brown, who covers Carolina for the News Observer in Raleigh, will join us from Philadelphia at 8.30. Uh, 9 o'clock hour, Dara Mabry, the sharpshooting guard for Notre Dame. Ooh, she's been smoking, huh? Uh, sure has. And she will be with us at 9.15, Luke Hancock, 9.30. And a question for you: Who are the blue bloods? You start, oh, come on, now. start That's breaking easy. all this down. But the blue bloods are the That's blue bloods easy. exactly what we think they are. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's not overthink that. Let's so not, let's not start adding teams. That, oh yeah, we won one back in the no no no. So no. Carolina, UCLA, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. Yeah, there you go. We don't need to go any further. No need to go any further. We can go some new bloods, but you said blue bloods. I did. That's right. Don't overthink that. We'll look at blue bloods along the way, too, since... uh, And get a good look at St. Peter's tonight. Four of the five are still alive in the NCAA. Get a good look at them tonight. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If St. Peter's wins tonight... Yeah, what? What are you going to do? Even even though... Even though what we're going to do a Saturday show, three hours about you and St. Peter's. It's an easy commute for me. I'm 16 steps. Yeah. It's always 16 for you. It's exactly 16. It's easy. It's the best deal in America. Well, it could be. <laughs> we'll take we'll a, find out. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, Carolina UCLA tonight in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center. Late night for the Tar Heels. We'll come back and look at the Carolina UCLA line. And also, Jay Billis is at 730 with Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Good morning. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Well, here's the way UCLA and Carolina look, at least statistically. Possessions per game, look at the contrast there. 81.5 to 57. The points are similar. The field goal percentage is similar. So are the threes. But, boy, speed of the game, Pack? Tempo pace, of the game? Pace, pace, You tell me, what, is this game in the 80s or the 60s? And I'll tell you who's going to win the game. That's a good point, yeah. So there you go. Welcome back. Friday show. Don't think UCLA can win the game in the 80s. 
I do think North Carolina can win a game in the 60s, but it helps UCLA. Yeah. yeah. That's how I feel about this game tonight. Uh, Does Brady Manick continue to go off? He's been yeah. fabulous, right? Yeah. He's been absolutely great. Uh, Jaime Jaquez, by the way, practiced yesterday for the Bruins. It's a big key, too. Yeah. So, Johnny Juzang, Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, those are the three guys. Uh, Jules Bernard's had a sensational year, too, for Mick Cronin. Love the game. I love mm-hmm. what they stand for. I love the tradition. I love the history. I told you this week, I am a snob. I am a basketball snob. This is exactly my kind of game. Purdue and St. Peter's, hey, I'll have a slice of pizza perhaps, but I will be dialed in for Blue Blood. If you're just joining us this week, it's important you know that the last three days, Packer has had one mantra and one mantra only on this show. It is? I've enjoyed them, but it's time for them to go. St. Peter's needs to go. (laughs) It's time for the big boys to take over. (laughs) And I don't mean any disrespect to the good folks in Jersey City. Your school is awesome. It's a beginning great story, but I say this every year. Cinderella's cool, but Cinderella, she's got to go. I want the big boys. I do. And I'm a snob. And you pack your an elitist. You would be accurate. I am. <laughs> when it comes to college hoops, I am a total elitist. I am. I'm a snob. I am. I I, I want the best teams playing. I, you know. Is that just Gonna go with Isn't that. Any cool VCUs in the Final Four? No, not really. Loyola, Wichita, Wichita State. Did you have anything Sister for Wichita Jean. State? Uh, Greg Marshall, nice dude, like the guy, and all that stuff that he was going. George with. Mason, Sister Jean. I'm Catholic. That was Loyola, Sister I, Jean. I know. I said I'm Catholic. She's a cool story. <laughs> I want blue bloods, man. I like it. I. It's just like college football. Same deal. I openly root for the West Coast to get involved again. Be nice if USC was good. Be Arizona nice State, Nebraska. No, was good show okay. later. It's been a while ne- since James like Harden. Nebraska, Texas, Miami, Florida State. I want those teams to be good in football. When we get to the March Madness, we get to the Elite Eight, we get the Final Four. I'm a snob. Okay, I do. I want All the right. big boys in. Well, you got Kansas, Carolina, Duke, I UCLA. Like everything about it. Like everything about it. Yeah, but, but somebody's got to go tonight. Okay. Got to go. Most important player tonight for Carolina is, you mentioned, now see, here's the thing. Everybody will jump to Armando Baycott on this. Oh, he's going to be fine. I don't worry about him. Brady Manick? Brady, if Brady Manick keeps going off, looks like Larry Bird light out there. He, hey, he's been awesome, dude. Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. He's going for what, 28, 26? He would have scored 40 on Baylor if they didn't throw the F2 on him. Brady Manick's been great. Yeah. So, you know, but as Carolina goes, R.J. Davis has been terrific at the port at the point. Uh, you're going to tell me Caleb Love's going to make shots tonight? If he does, I really like Carolina yeah. tonight. Big time. Uh, Baycott, 27 double-doubles. You know, that's second in Carolina history. Manick is plus – Carolina is plus 64 when Manick is on the floor in the NCAA tournament. They're that's minus sad. 25 when he's off the that's floor. That's my point. I mean, he's been unbelievably good. Yeah. Uh, R.J. Davis had career highs in points against Baylor, assists against Marquette. There is something about the maturation curve, and maturation may not be the right word, growth curve of this particular Carolina team because of the circumstance with Hubert Davis's first year, and there were lights out there. There were moments, The what was it, 29-point loss to Kentucky in Vegas. 
They Tennessee Purdue lost. Remember those How two. About the week of, of Wake in Miami where they couldn't they couldn't beat me, you, Otto, Ron. Right, Damn, they were brutal that week. All right, nine but, point loss at home to Pitt in February. That was your fault. You were there. You were <laughs> so, row. so you had to do the game and I, look what happened. <laughs> so all this kind of growth, development, experience, maturation—probably not the right word—for Carolina. Brings them to this point in the Sweet 16 where now the dynamic changes. We said this last week. When you go 64 down to 16, things change. Change dynamically. You saw it last night with Duke. Last eight and a half minutes, Blue Devils once again did exactly kind of what they did Sunday. How much momentum has Carolina built? How much experience has Carolina built in the last month, in the last two weeks, in the last 10 days? to carry them into this event tonight against a UCLA team by college basketball standards is old, uh, has some players who have been on this stage, played in the Final Four, been to the bigger stages. I think that's one of the interesting pieces of tonight's game. has zero to do with X's and O's. It's just simple mentality of the ballgame. I just think North Carolina defensively has gotten a lot better too. Let's be honest. Good point. To me, I mean, we can talk about the pieces offensively when they're on, they're good. When sure. they're not, hey, like everybody else, you struggle. But I think North Carolina defensively, light years ahead of where they were a month ago. Right. Not even close. Matter of fact, uh, to me, the number tonight, mm-hmm. sitting on the couch with the Hounds, is 40%. Because when North Carolina holds teams to 40% or less, they've won 17 straight games. Ding, ding, ding. Ah. UCLA wants to go slow. Hey, that's fine. Stop making shots. If North Carolina continues to play good defensively, I like them. I like him tonight. I, I like him even going further than tonight. I, I think your your defensive point about Carolina is well done. I think the other aspect about this too is, is Carolina going to be able to climb the boards the way they have in the first two? Why wouldn't they? It's what they do. I know, but UCLA has guys. I mean, Bernard, Riley, they'll run at the rack all the time. Um, Juzang and Hawkes get rebounds too. I mean. Let's see if Hawkes can go. I mean, I, I, that is a huge piece yeah. of the puzzle tonight. All right, let's go to Houston. I think he's going to play. The question is going to be how effective will he be? Well, speaking of defense, Hubert Davis asked yesterday in the media offering in Philadelphia if his team is doing anything differently on defense in recent weeks. No, I mean, we're not, we're not doing anything um, different. You know, we've emphasized all year the importance of us being a good defensive team. We've identified – you know, the three things that make us successful, and that's playing good defense, rebounding the basketball, and also um, taking care of the basketball, limit our turnovers. And I think over the last, that stretch, nine games, and throughout the year, we've gotten better at it, and we've gotten um, more consistent at it. And I also think that our guys are, you, you talked about buying in. I think they're seeing how successful. Where is Jay? We're becoming because of how consistent we are on the defensive end. And so I don't know if that's, you want to call it buying in, but I think they're experiencing the success of us doing a better job on the defensive end. And it's obviously made made us a better basketball team. Yeah, I mean, I would say overall this season has been a success just so far where we at and just specifically just these last few weeks, just winning these big games. And I mean, the fans and everything, the school, it just seems alive again and back to where it was kind of before my freshman year. And 
feel like it's been a great experience and it's been good for all of us just to be able to be a part of it. There you go. North Carolina, UCLA combined for 38 Final Fours. My kind of game. Yeah, that's pure blue blood tonight. You got that right. All right, on the other side, ESPN College Basketball Analyst Jay Billis stops by. We'll get his thoughts on last night's win by Duke and what's ahead tonight for not only Carolina, but what's ahead for Miami as well in their battle with Iowa State. Jay's next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Friday. Your lucky numbers are 593. For anyone keeping score, we inch a little bit closer to 600. Our next guest, speaking of numbers, becomes uh, this is his 24th appearance, which means he's one away from free creamer at the Laurel Market. <laughs> free creamer? Yeah. <laughs> one away. Jay Billis joins us this morning. Oh, what an accolade in your broadcasting career, Jay. Free creamer at the Laurel Market for appearance 25 on Packer and Durham. Congratulations. One yeah, one away. Well, I, I I just left Laurel Market about five minutes ago, and uh, and I can tell you that is expensive there. So I'm looking forward to the, uh, the free creamer. Well, let me tell you something. Knowing our budget here at ACC Network, believe me, we have taken note that this is not going to be an easy uh, transition for us, making sure we take care of you the next time you're on. But we're glad that you made time for us this morning. Uh, let's get right to it. How good were those games last night? I know we're going to concentrate on Duke here in a second. But I, I don't last night. If you were not entertained by college basketball last night, quite frankly, you need to find something else to watch. Yeah, it was great. I mean, we had, had four good games, and uh, and they were relatively close. Uh, so you know, but that's that's always true in the in the tournament, and it, it's true generally in basketball. I mean, you have some blowouts because you got 354 teams playing 30 games. You're going to have some differing results, but the tournament always seems to deliver. Jay, last night, I just said this with Mark, I thought the last five and a half minutes, six and a half minutes Sunday against Michigan State, and for sure the last eight minutes last night, those seemed to be like tournament-defining sequences for Duke. Uh, Obviously, both sequences produce wins, but it also produces kind of like evolutions of teams that I don't want to say destined to do it, but certainly have found their groove at the right time, it feels like, in this event. Yeah, I would call them confidence building. I think their confidence collectively was probably shaken after what happened against North Carolina uh, in the the last game of the regular season, and then their performance against uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, after after the Carolina game, Coach K had essentially said that was unacceptable. I mean, in his post game speech to the crowd, so that was unacceptable. So it had to had to shake the players up a little bit. Unacceptable mm-hmm. and very good. So, uh, but to, to play that way against Michigan State down the stretch, and especially the way they performed against Texas Tech, I mean, you know, there aren't many teams that are going to be going into the Elite Eight saying, hey, we just shot 71% in the second half and, uh, and did not miss a shot in the last eight minutes of the game. You know, and Texas Tech is a, is a very good physical defensive team, and, and Duke was able to shoot that. In what was essentially a hockey game, they were able to shoot that kind of percentage, and they knocked their free throws down. I mean, they were plus 10 from the free throw line, which really was the difference in the game. 
so to be able to to be able to make shots like that, Jeremy Roach has emerged as uh, as one of Duke's go-to players when uh, defenses get toughest because of his quickness, his ability to get in the lane and force help, and then make a make a good decision. I mean, that's a, like the third straight game he's played extraordinarily well. Jay, how about the old zone, huh? How about, you know, somewhere Jim Beheim had to be back smiling a little bit because it was a it was a huge decision and it really, really worked given the situation in the second half of the Blue Devils. Yeah, desperation uh, brings some some good things sometimes. They couldn't keep they couldn't keep Texas Tech out of lane, and uh, and he's done that uh, from time to time, not only over his career but over the season. And to, to just try to keep, you know, try to disrupt rhythm. As you guys know, basketball is a game of rhythm. You know, you try to establish your rhythm and disrupt the, their rhythm. And that zone really disrupted their rhythm and was sort of a, a game-changing, momentum-changing thing. Because I don't think Texas Tech was, was too worried about getting, not necessarily getting the shot they want, but getting a good shot. And then all of a sudden they had to worry about the clock and, uh, they saw more bodies than they saw floor, and and against Duke's man, they saw more floor than they saw bodies. Jay, one thing that struck me last night, right after the game was over, is the carryover on this. You play somebody like Texas Tech, and now you turn around and get Arkansas, and this is the tricky part, I think, from sixteen down to eight, is this prep because you've got some preliminary stuff built for sure, and then your coaches sat there and watched that game last night before your team played, knowing if you won, you'd see the winner. But Arkansas feels like similar styles to Texas Tech, so how much applicable carryover do you think there is for Saturday night? Quite a bit, Wes. That's a good point. I mean, I don't think Arkansas runs anything that's that's very complicated. Um, and, and Arkansas has gotten through to this point by grit and uh, and their defense, and getting to the free throw line. That's that's basically what they do. They get to the foul line. So if you don't foul them, that takes away a big part of their offense. I mean, you know, their best player is J.D. Note. He went 9 for 29 uh, against Gonzaga, and they still won. And against New Mexico, like in their first game, they, they played Vermont. And, and I'm kind of enjoying, honestly, like I love watching this stuff, but I'm kind of enjoying this us-against-the-world thing. That, that Arkansas has got, like, nobody's picking us. Nobody thinks we're any good. We're like, what? You're a four seed. Right. And, uh, and, and like, everybody picked you against New Mexico State. Literally everybody except New Mexico State fans. Vegas had you favored. And, uh, and, and sorry if we thought the number one seed might beat you. You know, that, that, this crazy talk about the number one seed beating you. Um, that, that's, that, that's really fun to me. But, but they're not a great offensive team. And what they do is they can they can defend, and they really get to the foul line. So I, I think Duke is going to be, uh, I would say, a, a, not only a favorite, they're going to be a six point favorite in this game. Uh, but but again, like you know, Duke had to do some extraordinary things to beat Texas Tech. They're going to have to. But it's funny, like this narrative stuff, like well, experience and defense wins and all this stuff, and it does. Like you got three hundred some incredibly experienced teams in college basketball of course more experienced teams are going to win but duke is the youngest team right now in the field and they're winning and they're beating all these experienced teams and uh so i i guess narratives are out the window in this tournament you can't you can't rely on anything 
Well, I'm very disappointed that uh, the folks at Arkansas uh, have not been watching our show because West Durham had them in the Final Four. And I, I mean, yeah. I, know they, I know they don't talk <laughs> basketball on the SEC network in the afternoon, so if they were watching the ACC network, they'd have gotten some love over here. Uh, let me get to the games tonight. North Carolina, UCLA, Jay. It's as blue blood as you can almost get uh, from that perspective. Uh, the Heels are on a good roll here. Uh, it, is pace of play the ultimate key here in this game? North Carolina wants to get up and down the floor. You know, UCLA is going to defend a little bit better in all likelihood. So you tell me. Well, what do you think you're going to see tonight in Philadelphia? Yeah, I think it'll, UCLA is going to try to take Carolina out of transition, and they're going to try to guard the three-point line, which both of which they do really well. Like, UCLA is formidable because they can play at different tempos and play effectively, and not everybody can do that. But North Carolina, you know, your point about being on a roll I think is right, but also I think they've gotten substantially better. Like, I actually think North Carolina is better than UCLA right now. Hmm. So the, the issue that North Carolina not deep – but they've gotten deeper. Like, I, I think Dontre Styles now has to be much more confident about what, the way he played against Baylor and, uh, and the fact that they won. Uh, look, you guys probably felt the same way I did. I thought when the overtime period uh, came against Baylor, Carolina was done. Right. Uh, how are they going to survive an extra five minutes when they were having a hard time surviving without Caleb Love and Brady Maddock? You know, the last 10 minutes of regulation when, when everything seemed to be going downhill on them. But they. Like Hubert Davis has told them uh, in the last third of the season, we're going to plant our feet, hold our ground, and fight back. And that's what they did in the overtime period. But R.J. Davis, uh, Caleb Love, and Brady Manick are the keys to the game. If they continue to to shoot the ball well and R.J. Davis continues to do what he's done uh, in running the team, like I'm taking Armando Baycott as a given. Like, that guy has been the most consistent big guy in the country all season. Him and Oscar Sheebway of Kentucky all season long. The one thing you can count on is he's going to give you a double-double, and, and he's going to be he's going to be, he's going to be there. And uh, I, I like Carolina to win the game um, because I, think, I actually think they're the better team. But, uh, you know, in this thing, it seems like every time you turn around, everything's a coin flip. And, and, and you know, it's – uh, the way the game's officiated is going to be a big deal, yeah. and that has turned out to be to be it's something I've talked about all season right. that has been a problem, and now it's it's glaring for everybody to see because everybody's watching. And the most interesting stat that that has come out of this postseason is the NCAA supervisor of officials uh, saying that that the officials in the tournament have gotten ninety six percent of their calls correct. Now, that is a class I want to take because that kind of grading suggests that I would have been uh, magna cum laude uh, if I could take that class and be graded on that curve because there is no way that that stat is accurate uh, or, or the grading is incredibly easy because um, we, have, we don't have bas- – this has not been a basketball tournament. This has been a rugby tournament. And, and all credit to the teams winning. I'm not taking anything away from them. But college basketball has a problem, and until we admit it, we're not going to address it. And we addressed it years ago, and it got better, and then all of a sudden it stopped. And, uh, and, and we've got a problem, and if we don't address it, uh, it's going to continue to devolve. Hey, Jay, I want to move to Miami and Chicago tonight against Iowa State because it really feels like an undercard game because of where 
both teams are. But yet, I feel like in Miami's case, the masterful job Jim Laranega did last Sunday against Auburn and Greenville, I think, has been appreciated. But boy, T.J. Otzelberger, he's done just an unbelievable job coaching Iowa State in, in kind of the rebuild, if you will. And this is a fascinating ball game to me tonight. It's defense versus offense. Uh, Miami can score with individual playmakers at almost every position, and so and they, they do a good job of forcing turnovers. Like I think we've talked about this, the right. three of us. They're not a great defensive team, but they do a really good job of getting steals and trapping ball screens and being disruptive and getting turnovers and scoring off of them. I, I think I think this is still true. They they were averaging at the end of the regular season nine steals a game, which led the ACC. Uh, and with Isaiah Wong and Cam McGusty and uh, Jordan Miller, all those got Charlie Moore. They've got a bunch of guys that can make individual plays. They play together as a team, but they can they can make individual plays. So they're really difficult to guard. But uh, Iowa State is a um, a smash mouth defensive team. And and you know back to the if if the game is a rugby game, Iowa State can win this thing. Mm-hmm. If it's a basketball game, Miami moves on. Uh, just out of curiosity, the other games tonight, uh, Kansas-Providence, Just I think it's going to be a fascinating game to watch. <laughs> and is the 15 minutes up for St. Peter's? What, what about the other two games? <laughs> well, I mean, you could argue the 15 minutes should have should have been up already for, for St. Peter's because they beat Kentucky. And, and the truth is that shouldn't have happened. I mean, St. Peter's is a really good defensive team. And Casey Indefu is one of the best defenders in the country. But, but, you know, it, it's, it's stunning that they've gotten to this point. They're only the, the third team ever as a 15 seed to win two games. Nobody's ever won a third. So the, the, the odds are against them, but they, they seem not to, not to care about that kind of thing. But, you know, you'll probably remember when Florida Gulf Coast uh, won their first two games and last year when Oral Roberts did, you know, when you win two games, you start thinking, hey, why not a third? But neither one of them did it. So could this be the end? It, it probably should be. And Purdue's better. Like, I, I don't know any basketball person that would say, well, St. Peter's is better than uh, better than uh, Purdue. But who knows? I mean, we'll see. They, nobody thought uh, NC State could beat uh, Houston back in the day. Uh, but I don't see it happening. But, you know, I haven't seen a number of things happen in this tournament that have already happened. <laughs> How about Kansas, Providence? Kansas is, uh, they're not the most talented team Kansas has had, but they're really good. And uh, they've got a player of the year candidate, Nochai Abaji, and one of the most underrated wings in the country, and Christian Brown, who does everything. I mean, the guy leads them in block shots at 6'5". Really good guard rebounder. Um, Kansas, there are a couple positions that they don't score efficiently. They don't score efficiently at the point guard position. But uh, Dewan Harris handles the ball well, and he's a really good disruptive defender. I think Kansas is better, uh, but but Providence is formidable. Uh, they're another team that's sort of got a bunch of transfers. They're experienced, and uh, and they can score at every spot, and they're tough. Uh, so I give them a puncher's chance. I like I like Kansas to win the game, but uh, but you know similar to what we talked about with some of like Arkansas winning or all that. If, if they're able to disrupt Kansas and keep them out of transition and keep them from getting downhill, like what Kansas does is, they, you know, they run like a four-round one uh, and sometimes five out. But 
they like to to run weave stuff, dribble handoff stuff, and then they they turn the corner and get downhill to where they force help, and then they pass out of it. And and once they force help, they put you into rotation. Uh, so it's just a question if they're able to do that, if they're able to turn corners and play north south, uh, Kansas wins. If if Providence is able to get them going east west a little bit more, where they can't turn corners, can't force help, uh, then I think Providence has a has a very good shot at this. There you go. Jay, thank you. Always great to hear you. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys. Looking forward to that creamer. You know, I know I know how you guys work with budgets. I won't be on till next year so that the creamer budget stays below the line. I'll be honest with you, Jay. I, I was thinking more like 24. <laughs> there you go. Talk to you soon. Thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You bet. Yeah, I mean, that 23 budget's already uh, shot. That 23 budget's yeah, out Who knows the door. if we're even going to be around for That's that. Right. I mean, Jay, you're on your own if we're gone. That's it. All right, sit tight. When we come back, Miami, Iowa State. Jim Lenega's mastery in this event already discussed. Is it time for the Canes to push through? Remember, in, they didn't get this far when they had an opportunity out of Atlanta. Remember winning the regular season in the tournament? They made a run, but they didn't. they didn't push through. Can they push through tonight and then even Sunday? We'll talk about the Canes and the Clones next. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. So here we are. Sweet 16 double-digit matchups. Take you back to 1997 because Chattanooga won two games in Charlotte that year, including beating Georgia, who was a three-seed in the opening round down on at the old Coliseum, the old Coliseum out there on Billy Graham. Yeah, Georgia didn't care. They had spring football. That, well, that's true, too. VCU, you know what they've done. Beat Florida State, who was a 10-seed. Dayton beat Stanford. Gonzaga, Syracuse game, 2016. Remember that game? Holy cow. Iowa State-Miami is tonight in the Shy Boogie. Charlie Moore homecoming game. An 11 meets a 10. Huh. What do you think? Uh, BPI likes Iowa State. So, of course, I like Miami. I like Miami. <laughs> uh, you don't know how much I'm rooting for BPI to go 0-3 on the ACC. You, you don't understand how much I'm rooting for that. Yeah, because they like UCLA. Yeah, they like uh, they, they like, like Texas, Texas Tech, Tech last night, uh, and they like Iowa State. The right. Clones. They, they think the ACC is going to lose every single game. I said I'll take every piece of that. All right, we told you earlier in the week Miami's doing an incredible job in transition, outscoring opponents forty to four. They housed Auburn on Sunday in Greenville. It was one of the key elements in really the ultimate victory against the Tigers. Iowa State has averaged just thirteen points in the paint during the NCAA tournament. Uh, Jay just talked about who they are defensively. Uh, that's the fewest paint points by a team in the Sweet 16 for sure since 2010. So how does Iowa State win the game of BPI? You see he's got them at 54%, right? I don't know. Unless it becomes a little bit like what you said with UCLA Carolina. If it's lower scoring, I like Iowa State. If it's a higher scoring game, I tend to line with Miami. Here. I like Miami in this game. I do. Uh, by the way, uh, since 2011, mm -hmm. Miami is the only team in college basketball to have multiple NCAA tournament games in the same tournament with five turnovers or less. Mm. They're the only team on the planet Earth that can make that statement yeah. since 2011. 
They have valued the basketball. Seven turnovers in the first two games. When you've got great, experienced, old guards that know what they're doing, right. that's what you can get. Yeah. And valuing the basketball is so critical. You found that out in every single of those games last night. When um, it matters, you got to be able to make sure, you know, get a shot off. It doesn't know if it goes it in, but you can't have turnovers and sloppiness. Miami's been great in that department. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Uh, let's get to uh, the podium yesterday in Chicago. Then we're going to come back and talk about the makeup of the Canes here. But I want you to hear from Cam McGusty and Sam Wardenberg specifically talking about how the ACC got them ready for this moment. Playing in the ACC has prepared us so much. Um, I know – in early in the season, you know, or even now during tournament time, everybody's saying the ACC is overrated and it's not that good. But as you can see, we've got three teams in the Sweet 16 right now. And, you know, we've gone to war in these last two months. That's it's, that's Coachella always says, you know, the ACC tournament play, it isn't it, it isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. And he that's the truth. Yeah, you know, as Cam said, I, f- I felt like the ACC kind of has been underrated a bit this year. Um, we didn't have the best start to the year as a as a as a conference, but that's you know, I think we have some of the most uh, a lot of transfers come in to the conference for most teams, and when stuff like that happens, it's hard for a team to really get used to one another early on. Um, but obviously, showing now that you know we are a good conference, we have good teams, and throughout our conference play, we were in a lot of close games because of that, or because how good how good our league was. And I think that's probably the best preparation we've had for this tournament because you never really know what's going to happen. It's madness for a reason. And, uh, you know, we're expecting games to be close, us to be a part of close games. And, yeah, the ACC prepared us well for that. 19 of the 32 games they've played this year, the Canes, Hmm. have been decided by one or two possessions. They are used to tight games. They're also used to trailing. They've won 13 games this year, trailing in the second half of games. Mm-hmm. They won't flinch tonight. This is a tough game. I think this is a close game. I do. I, think, I like the way Miami's guards are playing, man. I agree with you on that. I think that's a huge piece tonight. The other part about this, with the, this world of college basketball we're living in now, right? Look at the makeup of Miami's team because I'm beginning to believe that one of Larinaga's great contributions to college basketball – may actually be the fact that he understands how to mix and match this. Sam Wardenberg's a Miami recruit from New Zealand. He's a sixth-year guy. Isaiah Wong is a true Miami recruit. He's a D.C. kid. Then you got three transfers in your starting five. Plus, you bring Dane Gack off the bench. That's a kid from Australia, originally from the Sudan. Uh, Rodney Miller is 35 years old. Not really, but feels that way. Um, you know, and he gives you a couple minutes here and there. Anthony Walker comes off the bench as well. I mean, so you follow me on this? I mean, you see what I'm saying? It's just transfer, recruiting, two versus three, three versus – I don't know how it balances itself out, but he's kind of showing you how this works in terms of getting old. You just got to get old in a different way, maybe not every year on your campus old. Well, when you get old and you have really talented guards, right. you, you can – piece together me and you over there on the wing um listen guards work we gave you that stat earlier this week on the show this tournament has always been predicated by great backcourt play if right. you've got guards that can control a basketball game and you don't turn it over and you get guys in the right spot and all of a sudden dudes start getting hot you mm-hmm. can make deep runs yeah and jim Larnega is a great basketball coach 
and he's got an old team that knows how to play the game. Does it guarantee a win? Nope. But you know what? It puts you in a position. Boy. Right? There's what? 24 teams I read. There's 24 teams that have made it to the Sweet 16 right. in the last nine tournaments. And Miami is one of them. There's seven from the ACC of that 24. Miami's one of them. That's a bar bet. That's great coaching. A guy that knows how to put together a team. And that, again, in this day and age, if you don't use the transfer portal, you're probably in trouble. Because everybody else seems to be. Yeah. And use it effectively. you got to kind of have a feel for what you're doing there. You just can't go willy-nilly through the portal. I wouldn't hope so. That, yeah. that would be true in football as well. Yeah. And in life. Uh, and with this show. <laughs> Our Hour two coming up on Packer and Durham. Uh, we dive back into the events last night in San Francisco. Coach Krzyzewski's 100th career NCAA tournament win. He sends the Red Raiders packing. 78-73 the final, and apparently Kay was acknowledging threes at some point during the game. We're back after this on ACC Network. Packer and Durham.